The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Source of Truth podcast. And we're glad you join us on this Thursday morning as we take time in God's Word to evaluate some great truths. And again, we've been going for quite a while now through the book of Psalms, and we're going to continue in that as we're in Psalm chapter 101. 101, which is a very great passage as we look. It's unique in Psalms because uh, even though you look at different aspects of it, you have to go back and find out where was Saul, what, where was David, what part of his life was he in, or their author were they in when they wrote this. And and so in this unique section of scripture, David was a bit younger. David was about to become king. And so he writes this psalm and he puts it in there with a list of commitments that he was making to the Lord, he was making to himself, uh, probably you could even say making to his kingdom of the way he was going to rule, the way he was going to reign, the, the type of kingdom he wanted. David had specifics. He wanted a certain type of kingdom and honored God, and, that, and, and we understand that. And so we look at this passage, and really we, it starts off with, the, in verse 1, I will. There's a list of things that David said he would do, he wanted to do. These are things that he will. And so I'm going to take just a second, because one of the unique things in this passage is, you know, we, we look back at, the story of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, the Bible says Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat or the wine which he drank. And we find that to be true. And two weeks later, uh, he was found to be better than everyone else or he and his friends. And so they changed the diet. And we see through the book of Daniel that Daniel did. He stayed strong. You don't, you don't see a record or a list of things that Daniel did wrong. He, you know, he's not going to do right. You don't see the things where he did wrong and he had to get it right. And, and so you look back and say, man, he purposed in his heart at the beginning and look what he did. But, and it's similar in this section of scripture, but in this situation, it's different because David, you know, obviously he was a man after God's own heart, which we understand is not a heart of perfection. It's a heart of reconciliation. It's a heart that recognizes when they do wrong and get right. They're not blaming other people. They're constantly in a desire to get right with God and take responsibility. But uh, David was, you know, they, you know, when Saul and Samuel was looking for king, uh, David was the youngest. He was not the greatest physically, and, and yet God told Samuel, you know, you look on the outward appearance, I look on the heart. So we know there was something very special about David at this point. So David's getting ready to be king. He'd gone through all these battles of Saul, uh, trying to take him down. So he'd been through a lot, matured a lot through this, of course. And so he starts talking about the things he will do when he becomes king. Here's the one thing we'll look at when we evaluate this passage. It's interesting that we'll look over the next couple of days at things that David said he will do or he will not do. And yet we find if you study out the life of David that he did many of these things, that that was some of his greatest failures, is his failure to do at one point what he knew to be true. Now, please remember one thing unique, I think we have to understand history. Um, when, you know, when Israel first started begging the prophets for, or, or you know, the Samuel for a king, the, the priest for a king. When they started begging for that, uh, you know, the, the Samuel was offended, you know, kind of, he, they, I bet not doing enough job. And, and God, listen, they're, they're, more, they're more mocking me. But God started trying to tell Israel, you don't want a king. And he kept talking about all of the power that kings have in those days and how they can abuse and how there's a list of things that kings are allowed to do because they, re- they were the king. Uh, and the abuses they could place upon families and the things they could take and the, just 
that the, the power of, of that kingship was very, very tempting and could overwhelm. And so David probably had a full understanding. You know, he, you know, Saul was the first king. He had seen Saul becoming from who he was to who he became and and so maybe he you know I'm sure he had spent some time and he knew that this is a potential and so he God I don't want to become that yet we learn later he did so David was aware of many of the temptations that were going to come his way in this position and he had it who's going to have his king and so he is before I get there I'm going to establish just some things I want to make some decisions so let me let me start with a very simple principle there that it is important for us that we look ahead to the things that we might face and say, I want to make decisions now. I, when, when I go to college, I'm going to make decisions to have the right friends and to work hard and do things necessary. Well, when I go to work, I'm going to make a decision to do to work hard and not get involved in the wrong things. And so there's all these things when I'm around friends, when I get older, when I get married, when, with my grandkids, whatever it's going to be. We need to plan ahead and say, hey, these are going to be temptations. Today, I'm going to choose to act correctly because I'm not I'm not engulfed with the emotion of all of those things and it's easy when the temptations there uh, to become sidetracked and he says today I'm going to decide I won't do that so we look at this and let's look at the things that David said he was going to or he was not going to do so we'll start in verse number one he said I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. So he starts off talking about the continual praise and the worship that he will have before God. And I would agree that's a very necessary point because if, if I continue to sing before God and I continue to worship him and I continue to place him in this great position he needs to be in my life, all the other things that I want to do are going to become easier because I, have, I, remind, I remind myself daily of God's presence. I remind myself daily of his goodness. I remind myself daily of the things that he would want me to do and the things he would not want me to do. Here's a simple principle. It is virtually impossible for us to walk a life that honors God without his strength. Well, it's not virtually possible. It is impossible to walk a life that honors God without his strength. Religion dictates, be good, do this. And it places this absolutely untainable burden on its constituents, if I can use that word. And, and people of religion, they're coming, man, I wish I were better. I wish I were this. But it's all placed on me to be moral. The problem is, without the whole filling of the Holy Spirit, there is no morality in me. If I don't have the Holy Spirit living in me, there, there's no way a, more, a human being can be moral in and of himself. They have, the, they have the curse, they have the sin nature, and they're going to go the wrong direction. And so David starts off before all the other things that he claims he wants to do, and he says, I will sing of the mercy. I will keep my worship with God. I will keep my time with God first. I think that's an important thing that we would understand that, that our time with God, our, our walk with God, our time in church, things of these natures, these are more than just, you know, church attendance is more than just an American tradition. Church attendance, our Bible reading is more than just, I want to do a spiritual act because I want to feel Christian. These are necessary things because if I'm going to walk with God, and the Bible tells us in Psalm 119, David later says, um, wherewithal shall young man cleanse his way by taking heed to according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. I, I put into my life the things of the word of God, which then give me the strength and the ability to not sin against God. It's when I turn away from God, it's when I turn away from God's word and I Either I'm not reading it, I'm not listening to it, or frankly, I'm seeing the Word of God as an institutional book where I learn facts about certain scenarios, but I'm not applying it. I'm not meditating on it. I'm not doing it is when it becomes empty and 
I find myself in all kinds of problems. Yes, you can read the Bible and still be in a rough part of life. In Joshua 1 8, you know, he says, It's because the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate there in day and night. That's the key. He said that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. So he talks about not just watching or reading, it's, it's learning, it's doing. He goes, but then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The success promise in that verse and other ones like it throughout Scripture did not come from a knowledge of the Word of God, did not come from observing the, or for knowing the Word of God or reading the Word of God. These bits of information simply came when I knew the Word of God and then I observed I did the word of God. In James, he says, be ye hearers of the word and not, you know, be, sorry, I'm saying that backwards. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. He goes on later to describe the fact that if I'm a, if I'm a hearer and not a doer, I'm like somebody looking to a mirror. I know what I need to change. I see the obvious nature of my life, but I'm refusing to follow and I'm going to go away and I'm just going to tell myself I'm okay. I know it's there, God's pointed out to me, but I'm not gonna do anything about it. I'm not observing what God has taught me in the word of God, in his word, what he's teaching me, what he wants me to change, how I can be better, how I can be stronger, how I can be wiser. All of these things, it comes from the word of God, it comes from reading it, it comes from doing it. And if I'm not willing to do those things, well, then obviously I have a lot of head knowledge, but the Bible teaches us that that knowledge just puffs up, it just makes me arrogant, it doesn't actually do anything. Knowledge that is not turned into practice uh, turn, it ends up in arrogance. It really does. I'm so good. I have all this. But if I'm not implementing the word of God and I'm not making that part of my daily life, well, I'm missing out. Well, then why do I go to church? I go to church not just because, well, I got to listen to that preacher. You know, it doesn't really make much of a difference what preacher's behind the pulpit. You know, sometimes we like this preacher's personality, style, whatever, but it doesn't really make a difference what preacher stands behind the pulpit or I could even say in front of the camera. The question comes down, is he using the word of God? Is he using the word of God correctly? And is he doing it teaching what the Bible says, not his opinion? It's a very important thing. Is he teaching the Bible or is he using his opinion and then using the Bible to prove his opinion, which is not always accurate? You be very careful. The key though, when I go, it's not for this preacher. I don't like this preacher. None of that matters. None of it matters. I go to church because this is the institution God has ordained. This is where God wants me to be. So I go to worship. I get surrounded. There's accountability. There's encouragement. There's faith. You know, there, there's strength. All of these things found. And then, yes, the challenge of the Word of God. All of these things are found in church. Yes, and you can be around the most boring preacher in the world and hear from God. You can be around the most engaging preacher and hear nothing. You have to go. It comes down to whether that man is sharing the Bible. But I go because I want to sit under somebody else so I can continue to learn. I can continue to worship. This is what God's asking. If God, God ordained and established the church, the institution of the church, if he's done that, then it's pretty important that uh, we make a point to participate in the institution he's ordained, he's created. And we take advantage of all the things that God has brought through that institution. It's so important. And so as we look, he starts off with, I will sing in the mercy and judgment, and to thee will I sing. He's, I will make worship a major part of my life. I hope that we, we don't ever turn our walk with God, our prayer time, church attendance, worship, all these things. I hope we don't ever turn it into a, 
a tradition. We're very good at that in, in the religious sense. We're good at that in the American sense. I hope we don't turn it into a religious sense. I go home and I live my life and then I get my one hour of religion. I get my one hour of, of a certain serious type of service and I feel better than I can go out and just live opposite. You know, I hope that what we get in church influences what I do at home, how I change, how I live. We should not have, we should not have our church life and our home life. What I learn and what I get from the Word of God should influence everything. And so who I am at home, I should be here. And that's, that's the premise. I should let the Word of God change me from the inside out and not come and say, well, I've done my hour, I feel spiritual, and I can go out and live that way. That is the exact opposite of what God intended for us. And so may we allow these things to become more than just tradition or religious rites. May these things be something where we're begging God to teach us, to open our hearts, to instruct us. These are the things that we need the most. And may we remember that and may we put ourselves to those things. Thanks again for joining us on this Thursday morning and we greatly appreciate the time you've given to me to be part of your day today and allowing me into your homes or allowing me wherever you are at work, wherever you're watching or listening to this. I greatly appreciate it. Hope it's an encouragement. Hope it's a help. Hope it inspires you in your walk with God. Thanks again for joining us and we look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.